This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. If someone were to ask you, what is the greatest thing that you could ever hope to be or become, what would come to your mind? You say, I, I think the greatest thing that I could ever hope to be as a president of the United States. Well, it's the case that the president holds the mightiest office possible in all of the world, earthly office. But is that the greatest thing you could ever hope to be or become? So someone says, well, what I would like to be is financially secure. Well, I don't know of anyone in their right mind wouldn't like to be financially secure. But, but is that the greatest thing you could hope, ever hope to be or become? Well, we could go on and on about ideas that we have along that line, but I think without doubt the greatest thing that any of us could ever hope to be, ever hope to become, is a Christian. Today I want to talk to you about why I am a Christian. I'm not going to be speaking about why others have decided to become Christian. I want to tell you why I am a Christian. And I hope that you'll stay tuned today as we discuss this with you. Hello, I'm Billy Lambert, and I want to welcome you to, to getting to know your Bible, especially if you've not been watching before, thank you for tuning in today. Now, on getting to know your Bible, we offer a free Bible correspondence course. And I want to emphasize one word. That's the word free. I know we have a lot of people that that offer things on television and you don't know what it's going to cost because you don't see the fine print. There's no fine print in this offer. It is absolutely free. You say, why? We want you to get to know your Bible. And we're going to pause so that you can learn a little bit more about this course and how you can receive it. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. There are three places in the New Testament where the word Christian is found. One place it is found is in Acts the 11th chapter, verse 26. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. The second place it is found is in Acts the 26th chapter and verse 28. Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. The third place it is found is in 1 Peter, the fourth chapter, and in verse 16, If any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. 
I believe there are three things we learn about a Christian from those three verses. First of all, we learn that a Christian is a disciple of Christ. The disciples were called Christians. Well, what is a disciple? Well, a disciple is a follower of Christ. Jesus said, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. He said that in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24. So that when I say I'm a disciple, that means I'm following Christ. But a disciple is also a learner. You know, in Matthew 11, 28 to 30, Jesus said, Come and learn of me. Learn of me. Learn from me. And so when I say I'm a disciple, that means I'm following Christ and I am learning from Christ. Secondly, a disciple, uh, rather a Christian, is one who has been persuaded. Almost you persuade me to be a Christian. And so we're persuaded that being a Christian is best for my soul now and in eternity. You know, we're persuaded to do certain things based on need. Uh, for example, uh, I'm persuaded that taking care of the physical body is best for my body. I am persuaded that a certain kind of an automobile is the one I want. You see, we, we are persuaded to do things based upon our certain needs that we have in our lives. And it is best for us to be a Christian. You know, Paul said, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 11, persuaded to do what? Persuaded to serve Jesus. So I am persuaded that being a Christian is good for me now and in eternity. But a third thing we learn about a Christian from 1 Peter 4.16 is that a Christian is one who's willing to suffer for doing what is right. Listen to Peter again. If any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. That is, by our suffering as a Christian, we're going to be glorifying God. Sometimes Christians suffer. All that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. 2 Timothy 3 verse 12. So, you know, Christians going to suffer for doing right. But why is it great to be a Christian? Why am I a Christian? What is it that's caused me to want to be a Christian? I want to share some things with you right now and I hope you'll just sort of sit back and listen and, and try to absorb some of these things and, and really think about them. Will you do that with me? I, I'm a Christian because being a Christian is the way of true happiness. You know there's so much unhappiness in our world. There's some pretty miserable people in our world. You go out in a crowded mall and you see people scurrying, hearing, there. And if you watch their faces, you'll see so many of them don't appear, at least appear, to be very happy. There's so much unhappiness today. There's a man who went to see his doctor. And the doctor says, well, what seems to be your problem? He says, doctor, I am so depressed. I'm despondent. 
It's hard for me to get out of the bed in the morning. It's hard for me to get going every day. I don't know what to do. And the doctor says, well, let me tell you what I think would be good for you. They have a circus in town. And they tell me that they have a clown in that circus that can make even the most despondent person laugh. Could I suggest that you go to the circus with the intent of seeing that clown perform? I think that'd be good for you. The man said, Doctor, you don't understand. I am that clown. You know, there are a lot of despondent people in our world today. And being a Christian is the way to bring true happiness in our world. The very fact that we have problems today with things like alcoholism, that we have problems with things like drug addictions, that we have problems today with broken marriages and broken homes, and, 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 and the, 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 there's so many problems in our society. And that accounts for so much of the unhappiness in our world today. You compare living the life of a Christian with the life of a person who does not follow Christ or believe in God. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 13, verse 15, the way of a transgressor is hard. And it is hard. That is a more difficult way. A preacher went to speak one day at a, at a penitentiary. And after he entered in the gates of that penitentiary, he happened to look back over the door of the penitentiary on the inside. And there were those words. The way of the transgressor is hard. And so the preacher said to the warden, he said, Warden, you, you need to put those words on the outside of the gate so that people on the outside can see that the way of the transgressor is hard. He said, Preacher, that's your job to tell people on the outside. It's our job to let them know on the inside that the way of the transgressor is hard. You compare that with the life of a Christian. The life of a Christian is not one without problems. This idea that if you become a Christian, you'll never have another problem, another conflict in your life is wrong. Christians will have troubles. They will have conflict. They will have hearts that are broken. But the difference is, when you have difficulty in your life, you have one to whom you can go that will help you bear that load in your life. Listen to 1 Peter 5, verse 7, casting all of your care upon Him. Why would you do that? Why would you cast all of your cares upon the Lord? For He cares for you. There's a song we sing, Does Jesus Care? And the answer to that question is, Yes, indeed Jesus cares. And I know that if I'm His child, I'm striving to serve Him to the very best of my knowledge and my ability, then He cares what happens to me. He helps me over the bumps in life. Psalms 46 in verse 1 says that the Lord is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in time of trouble. He's not an, I want to put emphasis on the word present. He is there every step of the way when we're in the midst of trouble, even as His child. And this is a way that I can really rejoice and be happy. Rejoicing 
is different than happiness, really, because happiness has to do more with the circumstances we find ourselves in. Joy has to do with our ability to sing when we're up to our neck in hot water like the tea kettle. In Philippians 4 and verse 4, the Bible says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Do you know where Paul was when he wrote that? You say, well, he must have been in a motel somewhere. Absolutely not. He was in a prison. He was in jail. Most likely in shackles. And he wrote to people on the outside in spite of his circumstance, and he said, I want you to rejoice. And again I say, rejoice. We can rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. I want to be a Christian because it's a way of true happiness and joy. I, I want to be a Christian. I, I want to be a Christian because I know that it's best for my soul now and in eternity. You know, many people today give very little thought to their soul. Now, they have a body. That's their house they live in, and they have a soul. But many people give very little thought to that soul. You know, when we die, there's a separation of that spirit, that soul from the body. James chapter 2 says uh, the body without the spirit is dead. We die when the spirit leaves the body. But little people in this life are not thinking much about that. In modern, in modern day, this modern time in which we live, there's little consideration given about the condition of my soul. There was a man who was told in Luke chapter 12, this night your soul is going to be required of you. In other words, your, your soul is going to leave your body tonight. And this man thought he was going to live a long time, but he did not. There are people that pamper their bodies, but, but, but they neglect their souls. Isn't that a sad thing? You see, I, I need to be concerned about my soul, and my soul needs saving. And the soul can be saved Hebrews 10, 29 says, We're not of them that draw back unto perdition, but we are of those who believe to the saving of the soul. You see, our souls can be saved. Well, now, might look at the opposite of that. If the soul can be saved, that means that the soul can be what? That the soul can be lost. I could I ask you a personal question? Have you given any thought lately about your soul and the condition of your soul as it relates in your relationship to God. Have you thought about that lately? You see, if our souls are not saved, it puts us in grave danger. In John 8, 21, Jesus said, If we die... In our sins, where He is, we can't go. Now, I think we're all intelligent, very intelligent people. Where is Jesus right now? You say, well, I've read in the Bible, Brother Lambert, that Jesus is at the right hand of God. You're exactly right. And Jesus said that if we die in our sins, that where He is, we can't go there. So, 
we need our souls not lost or unsaved. We need our souls saved. And I know that being a Christian is best for my soul now and in eternity. And we can be saved. Someone says, well, isn't the, the way that the Lord has explained for us to be saved very complicated and in, in a confusing uh, thing to, to understand? Jesus said in John 8, 32, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth is knowable. Knowing what to do to be saved is not complicated. It, it, it never seemed right to me to, to think that God would give His Son to die on the cross and then turn around and give us a plan of salvation that was so confusing and complicated that we couldn't understand it. Jesus made it simple. In Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16, Jesus said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now what is the gospel good news? The good news about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Preach the good news. I believe that every person on the face of this earth has a right to hear the gospel at least one time in their life. I, I think they ought to hear it more than once, but they have a right to hear it at least once. So Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It's, the, it's obeying the gospel that saves our souls. Listen to Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The gospel, the good news, is the power to save the world. The power to save this world is not in a personality. The power to save this world is in not some uh, scheme, not some gimmick, not some, uh, something that, uh, that devi some devised plan of a man. No, no, no. The power to save this world is in the saving message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, to every human being on the face of this earth. And what should we do with that gospel once we hear it? He that believeth and is baptized, listen to it now, shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned or condemned, one translation reads. That's not hard to understand, is it? It's just like one, two, three. He that believeth one, baptized two, shall be saved, number three. Someone says, but I had someone to send me an email one day. They, they'd heard me on television. They said, now, Brother Lambert, Jesus said, he that, it, that believeth not shall be condemned. So Jesus did not say, he that is not baptized and does not believe shall be condemned. Therefore, that it's not necessary to be baptized. And here's the way I answer that. It's just logical. In that passage, there are two conditions of salvation, belief in Jesus and baptism into Christ that washes away our sins according to Acts 22, 16. One condition of condemnation, unbelief. It would have been redundant 
For Jesus to have said, He that is not baptized and does not believe will be condemned. Here's the reason. According to Jesus in John 3, 18, you are condemned at the very point of unbelief. He that believeth not is condemned already, Jesus said. There's one condition of damnation, and that's unbelief. Two conditions in that passage about salvation. Faith in Christ and obedience to Christ through being baptized into Christ. Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 wrote, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which also you have received, wherein you stand, by which you are saved, if, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scripture, and that He was buried, and that He arose again the third day, according to the Scripture. Paul said, I preach the gospel to you. And you're saved by the gospel if you keep believing the gospel. And he said, I preach to you facts about the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you're saved by the gospel. Those are the facts of the gospel. But you cannot obey facts, can you? Now remember, he wrote that to the church in Corinth. They were saved by that gospel. What did the men in Corinth do to be saved from their sins? Well, we learn that when we turn back to the book of Acts, which is a book of Bible conversions, to the 18th chapter and verse number 8. Listen to it. Many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed, and were baptized. That's exactly what Jesus said, isn't it? If you believe, you're baptized, you shall be saved. And so it, it's, I'm a Christian because that, that's the best thing for my soul. I, I'm a Christian because I, I want to be in a condition with God that, that God will listen to me when I pray to Him. That is, I want to be in a covenant relationship with my Father so that when I address Him uh, that, that way that, that He will listen. 1 Peter 3 and 12 says, The eyes of the Lord over the righteous and His ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them to do evil. Now, uh, prayer is such a needful part of our lives every day. G Jesus said that men ought always to pray, not to faint. And He also said, Ask and you shall receive, seek and you will find, knock, and it, and it shall be opened unto you. You know, there are lots of things we could enjoy, but so far we've not asked for them. In James 4 and 2, the, the writer says, You have not. Well, why not? Because you ask not. I believe there are blessings and favors that God will bestow upon us, us as His children in no way until we ask for those blessings. And so we need to, to understand that, it, that it's good to be a Christian because God is listening to the prayers that we pray. I want Him to hear my prayers and 
He's heard the prayers of other people. He heard the prayer of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, the Old Testament, was sick and he was about to die. And he turned his face to the wall and he prayed to God. Do you know what happened when he prayed to God? God lengthened his life by 15 years. God heard the cries of, of Daniel in a heathen land. Daniel 6 and 10 says every day Daniel turned his face toward Jerusalem, prayed to God every day. He was constant in prayer. And God delivered Daniel from the lion's den. See, God is a live God, a living God, a, an active God today. Some people have the idea about prayer. Well, that's just somewhat mental gymnastics. But it's not mental gymnastics. No, absolutely not. Things happen when we pray. Acts chapter 4, verses 31 and 32, the churches gathered together. When they prayed, the, the place was shaken when they prayed. We need some earth-shaking prayers today. This nation in which we live needs to be praying more. We need to be turning our attention to God and facing God today and listening to Him. The best life to live is the life of a Christian. And I've often thought, friends, that if there's no life after this, I believe with all of my heart and soul that there is. But if there isn't one after this, that being a, be a Christian is still the best life to live. I want to thank you for watching today. And in the closing moments, may I give you a very personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. And also right now, pick up the telephone. Don't hesitate to do that and call right now for the free Bible Correspondence Course. Become a part of thousands of people all over the world who are studying the World Bible School Correspondence Course. And you call us, email us, and you can have it free of charge. I want to thank you for watching today, and until we meet again, may the Lord bless you, and may the Lord keep you, is my prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at gettingtoknowyourbible at yahoo.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible. 
P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1 877 5214. Join us next time for getting to know your Bible.